0: This is Radio Maria, very warm welcome. And this is Credo. And for our regular listeners, you'll know it's uh, time for our dear friend and great collaborator with Radio Maria, Mr. Derek Williams, who shall be continuing his series on the Sabbath. And today's talk is entitled Kindle a Fire. Derek, good afternoon.
1: Good afternoon, Eddie. Uh, hopefully there's no fires going on in your place or mine, but we're going to
0: learn how to kindle one. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm good. I'm good to go. I'm good to go. <laughs> yeah, good, to go. good. All in right. On a hot spring day. Exactly. Exactly. Well, what I do, uh, as usual, I hand over the airwaves to you and our listeners. And then in about 15, 20 minutes, we'll have the first uh, music break, shall we? Super. All right. right Let's here we go. go. All right.
1: Good afternoon, listeners. I am on Exodus chapter 35, and we're going to have a little journey through the Word of God today, and I hope you're ready. There's going to be a bit of a challenge here for you. Um, I'm going to challenge you, challenge you into putting yourself in a situation where a fire can be kindled, and your thing is, do I respond? How do I respond to this challenge? And it's not a challenge just from me. This is a challenge from the church fathers, the writers of sacred scripture, God. Okay, um, And yes, I can confidently say this is a challenge from God. He wants you to be on fire. Exodus 35, verse 1. Moses assembled all the congregation, the sons of Israel, and said to them, These are the things which the Lord has commanded you to do. Six days shall work be done. Well, on the seventh day, you shall have a holy Sabbath of solemn rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. Pretty harsh, right? If you work on the Sabbath, you're put to death. That's the law. Okay. But it doesn't finish there. You shall kindle no fire in all your habitations on the Sabbath day. So the commandment is, you will not kindle a fire. Okay. So in a sense, there's a safeguard there. So let's put ourselves in the 21st century. Let's put ourselves in your, in your normal household, well, normal household. Let's play a traditional household. Mine is a traditional household. I know many of my friends have got traditional households. Okay. What we call traditional in, in the slightly older sense of the word in that the man is doing the work, he's going out and doing the work and bringing in the money and the wife is taking care of the household. Okay, that's how me and some of my friends live. Now let's take that, tradi- that traditional model um, and apply this thinking to it. And what God is doing in this is he's saying that the woman, also the wife, must also take a break. So you cannot cook. You cannot light a fire to cook on the Sabbath. So what you do, in practical sense, is you do all your cooking on the Friday. You cook your bread and you prepare your meal for the Sabbath on the Friday, the sixth day as the Israelites call it, and then on sunset, uh, everyone gathers for the Sabbath meal, and the wife is the one who leads the Sabbath meal by lighting a couple of candles, singing the Sabbath blessing, and and, uh, having the table led with the first meal of the Sabbath. Um, So no more cooking to be done until after the sabbath is finished so the wife gets a break from the cooking which was a big deal when we get when lynn and i first got married um we we're going to be celebrating 28 years of blissful marital harmony this coming saturday the 13th of may and um, and in our first few years of marriage i mean lynn's lynn is the cook okay I, I can cook stuff but lynn can cook she can really she really knows how to put on a really nice meal so Sundays would be roast dinner. And when the children were very small and um, we'd take them to mass, take them to the park. I'd, have a, I'd I'd keep the children occupied. Lynn would cook a roast dinner. And this was our Sunday. But after a while, Lynn said, you know, we're meant to be resting on Sunday. And I find myself um, eating this huge meal. And, and I was sort of in agreement with her. I said, yeah, you know, I know. I see you sweating in the kitchen. And although I'm in there afterwards, tidying things up, nonetheless, you're there in the morning, sweating away in the kitchen, making a meal. So she then says, well, why don't I do something simpler on Sunday so that I can also have a rest? Bang. So we've done that for the last 20 years or so. Um, But the the point of the message is, this this applies to Christmas as well. Often it's down to the the woman of the household to prepare this meal and to sweat it out when everyone else is having fun. God is the one who is trying to protect us from this by saying there's no kindling of a fire on a Sabbath. All right. Now it has got a double meaning. So let's we need to take a look at the other meaning of it. I'm just giving you like the the context, as it were, to give the wife a break as well as a husband. So everyone can rest. But here's here's a bit more context for you. Okay. A different a different twist on the on the narrative. You do not kindle a fire on a Sabbath day. You listen to the word of God, which means that on the Sabbath day, it is God kindling the fire. Okay, God is the one who will kindle the fire on the Sabbath. You relax, you rest, you listen to the word of God and let God do the kindling. And in fact, that's the way it should be. Okay, the only way you're going to get a fire going in your heart is if God kindles it. One of the great things about taking a day of rest each week is we start to encounter the providence of God. We start to realize that our journey in faith is god's work, not ours work. if we're constantly keeping ourselves busy, if we're constantly at work, constantly working at stuff, we never we rarely tune in to the providential nature of God, okay by taking a break by confronting our own weaknesses, we can see that God is in charge, not us, okay? Now, I want to take a look at the the actual context of where this passage lies. Do I do that first, or do I do the other one first? I'm going to do Ezekiel first, okay? Let's do Ezekiel first, because this is, this is the Sabbath meal, <laughs> if you like, okay? Ezekiel chapter 2. This is what you should be doing on a Sabbath day. right, ready for this one. Ezekiel 2, the Lord said to me, Son of man, stand upon your feet and I will speak to you. And when he spoke to me, the spirit entered into me and set me upon my feet. And said, Son of man, I send you to the sons of Israel. Verse 6, Son of man, be not afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words. Again, be not afraid of their words. And verse 7, you shall speak my words to them. Now, this is verse, 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 verse eight. My glasses, I need new glasses. Son of man, hear what I say to you. Be not rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Okay? And when I looked, behold, a hand was stretched out to me, and behold, a written scroll was in it, and he spread it before me, and he had words on it. Chapter 3, he said to me, son of man, eat what is offered to you. Again, okay, that's twice, he's used the word, open your mouth and eat what I should give you. And then, son of man, eat what is offered to you. Eat your scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he gave me the scroll to eat. And he said to me, son of man, eat the scroll. And I give you, fill your stomach with it. And I ate it. And then he says, go get you to the house of Israel, speak my words. Verse 10. Moreover, he said to me, son of man, all my words, I shall speak to you, receive in your hearts and hear with your ears and go to the exiles and speak to your people. So the the, the prophet Ezekiel is told not to be afraid of the words of the people, but to um, eat God's word and to speak God's word. So the people will be speaking their word, but the prophet is going to be speaking God's word. The words of the people are probably going to be rebellious because God says, be not like this rebellious people. So they have obviously thrown out God's, um, they've obviously thrown out God's commandments at this point, and they're in exile in Babylon. And God is saying to them, I want you to speak to them. So what's the purpose of God speaking to the people of Israel through the prophet Ezekiel? The people are rebellious they're disobeying god's law and in fact they specifically disobeyed the sabbath law there was idolatry but more specifically it was based around the sabbath they would not they would not stop working on the sabbath and they would not prevent their slave and their servants and their other workers from working on the sabbath so they broke the sabbath law but god doesn't give up on them god gives the prophet ezekiel a special gift, a charism, if you like. He shows him the word of God and he says to the prophet, Eat my word. Now, we are called to do exactly the same thing. We are called to consume the word of God, to eat it, to chew it. Okay. The word that I found today, a word that I've heard before, but which I never really understood, is to masticate. Okay. Masticate. M A S T M-A-S-T-I-C-A-T. I C A T. And the, the description of the word is a technical word to describe the act of chewing, to chew, to reduce to a pulp. And the, the purpose of the word is that when you take, let's say, a piece of steak or a, a piece of lamb or something like that, you chew it and chew it and chew it to get all of the nourishment out of it and to make it very easily digestible. Now, God wants to do the same with his word. He wants us to chew the word of God. Over and over and over to get all the nourishment out. Okay, not to just read it and then quickly get on with our morning coffee. God wants us to thoroughly immerse ourselves into the Word of God, so that the Word of God consumes us. Okay, and you notice the the, the movement in Ezekiel chapters two and three. It begins with God putting the prophet on his feet through the power of His Spirit. Then God says to him, don't be afraid of these people. Don't be afraid of their words. Then God gives him his word. And he repeats multiple times. Open your mouth. Eat the word. Eat the word. Eat the word. Keeps on repeating it. Here's a scroll. Eat the scroll. And he gave me the scroll to eat. And I ate the scroll. It was in my mouth as sweet as honey. And then God says, speak my words. Now, remember, you cannot speak the words until you've really chewed the word okay this is how you're going to set a fire in your heart you know a lot of people that i know okay will go to events sometimes lively charismatic type events uh you know and praise and worship and songs of fire and all that which you'll have a few of in a minute which are all very exciting and everything but that is not gonna set you on fire the Word of God is what's going to set you on fire, okay? Now, if you take a look at the apostles, they spent three and a half years listening to Jesus teach, both publicly and privately, chewing the Word of God for, for three and a half years without many distractions. No mobile phones, no laptops, computers, no uh, no household chores or anything because they're out on the road all the time. So it was all word of God, listening to Jesus teaching and Jesus taking them on one side all the time, listening to him give them personal guidance. Then after three and a half years of that, Jesus gives them the fire. Okay, so think about it. The apostles themselves spent three and a half years listening to the personified word of God teaching them before he would give them the fire of the Holy Spirit and they were ready for mission. We need to learn this principle that it's through careful digestion of God's word, eating the word of God slowly, day by day, letting that word penetrate into the very core of our being, and that will set a fire in us. And then the fire comes from the Holy Spirit to increase the fire that's already in the soul. This fire we start by reading the word, and then God can reveal himself to us through his word. Now, I'm going to share a few thoughts regarding this from an, an incredible author, um, a father, Levan Merikakis, who so wrote a book called Fire of Mercy, Heart of the Word. Um, I've got one volume of this in front of me. It's 700 pages long. There's four volumes altogether, And here's one of the things he says. right. Uh, He talks about a cordial reading of God's word, cordial, a friendly, a loving reading. Um, And he says this a cordial reading, as I envisage it, is a reading in the manner of the fathers, who, while being the great philosophers, theologians, teachers, and linguists of their time, never forgot that, above all controversies regarding particular interpretation, the word of God intended to strike their hearts and evoke from them a response aimed at striking the heart of God. So the word of God is meant to strike our hearts in great power, and then we respond to it, and our response strikes God's heart. There's a challenge for you. Then then he goes on to, he then quotes um, intercessions for morning prayer inflame our hearts that they may ardently thirst for you and hasten with keen desire to be united with you so we ask god to inflame our hearts we ask god to kindle the fire we cannot kindle that fire god has to kindle that fire now god wants to come to us where we are so he came to the prophet Ezekiel. It was obviously it says in the end of chapter one um i fell upon my face and heard the voice of one speaking and god says son of man stand on your feet so the spirit entered into me and set me on my feet all right and this is what the what mary Carcay says god wants to reach us where we are so wherever you are now both spiritually emotionally psychologically physically wherever you are at God is reaching you now, beginning with your senses. This is what Mary Calkey says. God wants to reach you where you are, beginning with your senses. For it is he who created them and implanted them in us as our road to him. So your senses are the beginning of your journey towards God. What you have come to is beyond the senses, but you begin with the senses. Now, the heart in love with God delights in the least detail of his presence and precisely in the inexhaustible multiplicity of the ways by which God comes to it. And it finds the proof of God's unfathomable depths, depth. Depth, not debt, depth, depth. <laughs> Such was the case with the great father of the church, Oregon, who he says is the master of all cordial reading. Cordial. I thought, well, what does cordial? Let me let's do a little etymology of the word cordial. Okay, cordial, woman-friendly, stimulating. The actual word has got the three letters in core, C-O-R, which is a Latin word for heart. And it used to mean to give heart, heartfelt, or pertaining to the heart. Now we have this other word called cardiac. But originally in the Middle Ages it was cordial, which means heartfelt. And we are called to undertake a cordial reading of God's word, a heartfelt reading of God's word. So that is Ezekiel. This is God speaking to you. And God wants you to receive in your heart the word of God, to hear with your ears, receive it in your heart. This is done when you take time out. If you do not have that weekly Sabbath break, where you're listening to God's word, where you're resting. And when you're listening to God's word from an angle of restfulness, not an angle of rushing. So let's take Monday morning, for example, if you stereotypical working week, you wake up, you grab your breakfast, you do your morning prayer, and always at the back of your mind, you're thinking to yourself, okay, off to work. The Sabbath day is the one day of the week when you don't do that. You wake up. And you sit there with the word of God and you can take your time. You have your Sunday roast with the word of God, if you like. Yeah. You take your time over this delicious feast and God can come to you because he sees you there and he thinks, right, they're taking their time this morning. We can have a nice meal together. So he comes in and you can have a few hours conversation, exchanging love, right? Now, Ezekiel three talks about this. Receive in your heart, hear with your ears, go to the exiles to your people and say to them, thus says the Lord, whether they hear or refuse to hear. Then verse 12. Now, go back to verse two. It says, the spirit entered into me and set me upon my feet. Verse 12 says, the spirit lifted me up. Look at the two together, right? You have the spirit. Ezekiel begins this narrative face down on the floor. The Spirit of God comes into him, lifts him up. God gives the scroll to him. God enables him to eat the scroll. He tells him multiple times, eat the scroll, eat the scroll, eat the scroll. Then he says to him, hear this word with your ears, received in your heart. And then the Spirit can lift him up. So he's gone from face down to lifted up, raised up. Okay. I ask you the question, folks how many of you often feel like this world knocks you off your feet with bad news with lack of mercy with fear with um merciless treatment with um the list is endless with all sorts of problems how often do you feel completely flawed well here's what god can do god will get you from the floor lifts you up feeds you with his word Teaches you to listen, sets you on your feet, lifts you up. Okay. And it says this in verse 14 the Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. Okay. How fantastic would that be? The hand of the Lord strong upon you. All that God is asking of you is rest and read, rest and eat to the word now i'm gonna in the in the second segment of this unless of course we get a thousand wrong goals, i'm going to take you through what happened to moses when moses heard the word of god and what's going to happen to you when you hear the word of god i'm going to teach you about what's going to happen to your soul Okay, when you really hear God's word on the Sabbath. So, Eddie, over to you for our first song of the afternoon. All right,
0: what's going to happen to our soul? Okay, so, Mm. listeners, you have to stick around for part two. I'm certainly going to be listening in. And this afternoon, Derek has chosen a few beautiful songs. And the first one up we have is Tim Hughes, and There Must Be More Than This Consuming Fire.
2: There must be more than this. Oh, breath of God, come breathe within. There must be.
0: This is Radio Maria. Very warm. Welcome back this afternoon, where we have been listening to Derek Williams on Credo. And today, he's been focusing on the title of the talk, which is To Kindle a Fire Within Us. And he's continuing his series, of course, on the Sabbath Rest series. And just before the music break, he said rather boldly that he's going to tell us what happens to the soul. So... I'm hanging on to every word. Let's hear it.
1: Fantastic, thank you, Eddie. My pleasure. Right, so, um, we're so I'm, I'm looking at Exodus 34. The Israelites, Moses has broken this, the commandments and he's headed back up to meet with God. Um, and uh, God renews the covenants in Exodus 34, 10. Behold, I make a covenant before all the people. So he renews the covenant. And in verse 27, the Lord said to Moses, write these words in accordance with these words i've made a covenant with you in this israel worth noting that in a few minutes ago we were looking at israel of ezekiel eating the scroll which could well be uh god giving him a a form of the torah that ezekiel could consume the word of god okay torah in other words that what moses had written moses writes the words. And a few hundred years later, Ezekiel eats that word. Now, verse 29. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tab- tab- tablets of the covenant in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, he did not know, but the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. The people, Aaron and the sons of Israel, saw Moses and his face shining and they were afraid to come near him. So, in verse 33. When Moses finished speaking with him, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off. Verse 35. The sons of Israel saw the face of Moses, and the skin of Moses' face shone. And Moses would put a veil upon his face again until he went to speak with him. What's that got to do with the Sabbath? Well, well I've just read to you that that paragraph is the last part of verse 34. And it leads into the, chapter 35, the first verse of which is Sabbath regulations. So Moses' face is shining because he's just received the, the words of God from God. He's just been in God's presence. His face is shining. And then he gives the Israelites the Sabbath regulations. Um, within, and don't forget, his face is shining, but it's fading. He's shining but it's fading okay now i'm now going to go to 2 corinthians chapter 3 um this is what it says uh what paul says about the the law he calls it this dispensation of death because if you broke the law you would die okay that was one of the penalties for breaking the law If the dispensation of death carved in letters on stone came with such splendor that the israelites could not look at moses face because of his brightness fading as it was so so this is the law that if you break you're going to die and also the law one of the purposes of the law was to reveal sin to us the solution had not yet arrived christ is the solution but the, the law reveals sin. And in the catechism, it says um, that it it kindles within the Israelites a desire for the spirit. That's what it does. So because they can see that they have no solution, they have, they have to turn to God for a solution. Now, uh, Paul is writing, the Israelites could not look at Moses' face because of its brightness, fading as it was. So the brightness of Moses' face... As bright as it was, from the moment he left God's presence, it is fading. However, what about you? Now, will not the dispensation of the Spirit be attended with greater splendor? For if there was splendor in the dispensation of condemnation, the dispensation of righteousness must far exceed its splendor. So what we have must far exceed what Moses had. Think about that. What we have got now must far exceed what Moses had. Indeed, in this case, what once had splendor had come to have no splendor at all because of the splendor that surpasses it. For if what faded away came with splendor, what is permanent must have much more splendor. So what is the splendor that we have? Well, here you go. This is the end of chapter 3, 2 Corinthians 3. The Lord is a spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being changed into his likeness from one degree to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Okay? We all, with unveiled face, are being changed into his likeness from one degree of glory to another. If I skip a little bit. Verse 16 of chapter 4. We do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed every day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal waste of glory beyond all comparison. What's this got to do with the Sabbath? Well, first of all, look at the context of the Sabbath rest. It comes, Moses comes out of the mountain, face shining. First thing he says, Is six days you shall work, seventh day you shall rest. Do not kindle a fire in your dwelling. Because God wants to kindle that fire in us. How is God going to kindle that fire in us? Well, he points us to the fact that this new um, dispensation we have, this new relationship with God that we have, if we spend time with God, okay, what are we doing when we spend that time with God? When we're reading the word of God like I am now, we are with an unveiled face. Beholding the glory of the Lord, and consequently we are being changed from one degree of glory to another. So, as I'm sat here reading this, pondering the Word, gazing deeply into God's Word, penetrating it, chewing it, digesting it, lectio divina, read, 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 and letting that Word penetrating to my heart, my soul is being transformed. So, what's happening inside of me is this my though my outer man is wasting away, my inner man is being renewed every day, my soul is being made new every day and is radiant with the glory of God. Say so this, we all with unveiled face, behold the glory of the Lord and are being changed into his likeness from one degree of glory to another. so, as you gaze upon the Word of God, as you penetrate the depths of God's word. Letting God Spirit lead you, your soul is being transformed into light, being transformed from one degree of glory to another into God's image. And again, Paul writes, although the outer self is wasting away, so my body, my body is is getting older day by day. You know, those of you who are probably over, let's say 40 you will start to realize that when you're getting up in the morning, everything aches, even though you didn't do any exercise the day before. Yeah. You're, you're starting to realize that the body starts to ache and it's it, getting out of a chair is a painful experience nowadays. Okay. When you look at your teenagers or any teenager, you see them leap out of the chair and you think, Oh boy, energy is wasted on the youth. You know, off they go. No problems, no aches, no pains, free as a bird, free as a bird. But for us, We now have this affliction where every day the body is breaking down more and more. But our inner self, your interior life, if you're in communion with God, and if you're reading the Bible, if you're praying and pondering the mysteries of God, your inner self is being renewed every single day. So you might feel like you're 50, 60, 70, 80 in the body, but in the spirit, you're getting younger, you're getting newer, every single day you're getting younger every single day in your interior because your interior is being made brand new and your interior is slowly becoming like moses face you're becoming radiant with the glory of god as you spend time in his word and when is the best time to do this the day of rest this is why it's so important that we have this day of rest each week, so that we can spend time, quality time, sitting and listening to the Word of God, not just going to Mass, half hearing what God is saying through the Word of God, and then heading for home to the next best thing to be done that day. We need to learn to go to that Mass, go to the church, go to the service, listen to God's Word, go home, spend quality time sitting with god cup of coffee biscuit the bible whatever you want to do time with god time for god now before i rant on too much i need to remember that there's a couple of beautiful songs to sing just a minute to your soul i've chosen songs with the theme of fire today so i'm going to encourage you to really listen to the lyrics and be open to what God is saying to you through these songs. Over to you, Eddie.
0: All right. Well, you heard the man himself say it. Spend time with God. Make that space in your life. And uh, I really liked um, one point I really picked up on was um, about the the aging process that you were speaking about that happens inevitably to those of us lucky enough to uh, to get past the the hill of 40. And um, But the prayer life, the interior prayer life that we have is a constant renewal, so we're we're getting younger as we, um, as we pray more and more and, and, and getting ourselves purified as well. So thank you for that, thank you very much. And um, this next song is called Fire. This is Radio Maria. Very warm welcome back to Credo. And you've been listening to Fire. There's a fire song. And that's uh, been chosen by our guest speaker this afternoon. Well, I wouldn't even call him a guest. He's part of the family now. It's uh, Derek Williams coming live from his little man cabin, shall we call it?
1: That's a pustinia, Eddie. Man cabin. Pustinia. (laughs) Pustinia.
0: Okay, gotcha. A pustinia. (laughs) Excuse me. Pustinia. Thank you. That's right. And... He's going to now uh, resume the third part of his talk. We've got about fifteen minutes left, and uh, over to you again, Derek.
1: Thank you, Eddie, and it's nice to be formally adopted at long last. <laughs> Our pleasure. <laughs> so, listeners, here we go. We're going to get onto something very real now. So we have, we have God calling us to the seventh day rest in order that He can kindle a fire. He wants to kindle a fire in us so that we can, we can receive his word, as Ezekiel did, and God can take us from flat on our face to standing up and equipped and ready and being able to speak to people. Now, I know this is a big issue for many people because I know of many people I meet in my journeys as an evangelist who don't know how to communicate the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ to friends, to families, to enemies. And my response is pretty much always the same. How can you communicate the fire of God's word when you haven't yet got the fire of God's word? Okay, if we go to, um, if you look at, I think it's Luke 12, 49. Um, Jesus says, fire, I have come to cast upon the earth, which is a beautiful paradox with when he, when he calls the disciples. The disciples are out fishing. They're casting their nets. So to catch fish, they're using string few chapters later jesus says fire i have come to cast so he's in order to catch men to catch people jesus uses fire not string but in order to use that fire jesus has to use us now at the moment there's a bit of an error going through the church going through especially among the charismatic circles that i sometimes tend to mix in and i brought into this error quite a few years It's called the era of disassociation. Basically where um, where you hear this thing, you know, oh, we get out of the way and we let God get on with it. This is not from the word of God. Okay. Wherever you are in the word of God, you've always got God using the person to minister his power. Always. Okay. Always. We can go to the most basic thing way back in the book of Genesis, chapter six, God doesn't say to Noah, Okay, I've built you up an ark. Can you get on it? God says to Noah, build me an ark. So Noah has to get in there and get his hands dirty and build the ark. A bit later on, um, you've got Moses standing by the ocean and God doesn't say to Moses, get out of the way. I'm going to part the waves. God actually says to Moses, raise your staff. And then he parts the waves. So it's not disassociation. It's it's the people actually being used by God for God to display his power. You get the same in the New Testament. You get um, Peter and John walking near the temple of Jerusalem and wherever that people wanted their shadow to fall upon them. So God wasn't saying "get out the way, Peter." He was saying, "Peter, I need to use you." Okay. I think Eddie's got a question. I
0: have, yeah. Sorry to to butt in there, but um, you you mentioned that uh, there was there was an era of disassociation that you you might have found in the mm. the new charismatic movement, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. What are they more like get out the way and let God work, and when it should be, God uses human beings as instruments. To work Absolutely. Through.
1: Well, this, this this is the really important thing. So someone raised this with me last week, and I, I actually used to talk in this way myself, you know, when I used to travel as an evangelist. But it dawned on me that actually, no, the grace of God comes through the evangelist and the apostle and the healer and the intercessor. God uses us. He gives us the grace that's been imparted to the person. Mm. And this, this uh, lovely lady I was talking to about it, she was, she was sort of saying, oh, we have to get out of the way so that God can work. And I said, no, 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 God uses us. God gives us the, mini- the, the gift of healing. God right. gives us the gift of prophecy. Like, in, like in the, in, in, I was talking about Ezekiel, God did not just rescue the, the Israelites from Babylon. He sent Ezekiel. <laughs> he sent a man, and he wanted to use this individual to bring the Israelites back. And he uses Cyrus, the pagan king, to set the Israelites free. So he's always using an individual. He didn't just come in the flesh. He did Sorry, he used, no, he used to no, absolutely
0: no. I'm uh, um, Would you say the same would be uh, valid for the sacrament of confession when God uses the priest to, to to for His forgiveness through the priest?
1: Yes, but once again, here's the error. Here's the error. I meet many people who think that it's okay just for them to confess their sins directly to God. Once yeah. again, the, the error of disassociation. No, God has given us a sacrament which is administered through a human being, mm. an, an anointed, appointed and ordained person. Yeah. And as Catholics, we're obliged to use that sacrament.
0: Because mm, obviously the, some critics of Catholicism would say, well, what you don't... You don't need somebody to, to tell your sins to, some man you've never met before or who doesn't even know you. But it's God working through him. Yes, well. but
1: more than just you're working through him, he is the instrument mm. of God's mercy. Okay, that's very important because sometimes when we use the word God works through me, now God doesn't just work through me, God manifests his power through the words I speak and the actions I do. So it's very much, I'm very much a part mm-hmm. of what God wants to do. Now, for those people who say you don't need to confess your sins, well, James would contradict you. James would say, confess your sins to one another. Right. So you don't confess your sins directly to God. You confess your sins to a, you know, in our case, a person. Mm-hmm. And it's a very important part of the sacrament. You know, even, even when we go to Mass, we stand there in the presence of our community. I confess yep, to Almighty, Almighty God, God and to you, my brothers and sisters. Right,
0: so it's all in there as well, yeah, in the liturgy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. So those so proclaimed. We can't be fooled then by the error of disassociation.
1: Yeah, it's what I would call an error. Um I mean, you know, obviously yeah, it's not something that's been defined by the church or anything. It's just a thing that comes out recently, and I thought, This can't be right. And immediately in my head, all these um all these Instances of people being used by God, Francis of Assisi, Ignatius Leola, Padre Pio, the Blessed Virgin Mary, individuals that God used them not just as a channel, not just as a vessel, but they actually God had a plan for that person in order to make, in order to bring about his purposes upon the earth. And every revival in the history of the church has come through God giving grace to an individual person. Mm
0: great great. well thank you for uh, clarifying that and uh you're welcome i'll let you resume
1: <laughs> let's see if we get a few questions on that one that might have to come up again next week
0: <laughs> um, A lot to unpack so
1: what i was going to say folks was the immediate after god has spoken to the israelites about the sabbath and the kindling of the fire moses face radiant the next thing the very next thing that happens is the preparations for making the tabernacle So God can speak to the Israelites and he can say to them, "Okay, I've given you the Torah. I've given you the glory. I've given you the fire. I've given you all this. Now I want you to give something back to me. And what happens is all the riches that the Israelites brought out from Egypt, God then says this to them. Moses said to the congregation of the sons of Israel, this is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Take from among you an offering to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's offering, gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet, fine twine, linen, goat's hair, etc. Oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil. And in verse 20, all the congregation of the sons of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. And there came everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him and brought the Lord's offering to be used for the tents of meeting and for its service all who were of a willing heart. Let's go back to our experience of our Lord's Day celebration, where we are having a day of rest. We're listening to the word of God. We're receiving God's word into our heart. We're encountering the glory of God, the sacraments. Are we giving to God just out of a few pennies out of our pockets, or are we actually listening to God and giving to God out of the abundance that God has given to us is our offering to God sacrificial. Think about the Israelites; they left Egypt with all they got weighed down with silver and gold and stuff. They were weighed down with it. They head into the desert thinking we're rich. And what does God convict them of? He says to them, "No, will you bring that and use it to build the temple?" So I say to you, people out there, you listeners out there, will you bring? your offering to the Lord to be used for the building up of the kingdom of God. And I say that now knowing that in a few weeks' time there's going to be a a radio marathon in a few weeks, a radiothon for Nigeria. And we should be thinking, how can I give a sacrificial offering in to Radio Maria to build the kingdom up in Nigeria? Eddie, we've got one more song to go, haven't we?
0: Great, yeah, no, that's uh, that's brilliant. And uh, the last song of the afternoon is... Paul Wilbur and again fire is is the theme and this one's called the fire of your love. So coming to the end of our program here, and I'd like to thank Derek again for a very uh, insightful talk. And uh, before we sign off, Derek would very much like to pray for all our dear listeners. So I'm going to hand over the airwaves once more.
1: So Heavenly Father, we thank you for the the power of your word to transform our hearts. In the words of John Paul II, in, 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 in the Roman we let the word of God penetrate our hearts, so that it can affect the transformation that the word of God speaks of. So I just pray for you, listener. You've heard me talk about the glory, the rest, the word, eating the word, and listening to the word, letting that word transform us. And I pray now with Our Lady's intercession, who desires our transformation way more than us. We ask you, dearest Mother Mary, to touch the hearts of everyone listening with the fire of your Immaculate Heart, your heart which was totally consumed for Jesus, totally consumed with fire. May our hearts also become totally consumed with God's Word. I ask you, Blessed Mother, to pour into all the listeners the grace To spend time in the presence of God to truly rest on the Lord's day to encounter God I pray for everyone listening that they will have a truly powerful and blessed encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ on the Lord's day they will truly encounter the fire of his word on the Lord's day and I pray this